This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what's the first thing you would do? Get outside more? Check in on that friend you've been meaning to catch up with? Maybe learn how to play an instrument? I know I've thought about what I would do with more time in my day, and many people daydream about what they might do in that scenario. The best way to squeeze that special thing into your actual schedule is to know what's important to you and take whatever reasonable steps you can to make those things more of a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you, so you can do more of it. Therapy is not just for people who've experienced major traumas. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, and it empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking about giving therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a quick questionnaire that will match you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash FilmDaily. This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its six-year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. The legends are true! Overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny! Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily. Today is Monday, February 5th, 2024. On today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking about the latest box office numbers from this past weekend. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film staff writer and box office analyst, Ryan Scott. Hey, hey, everyone. How's it going? All right, Ryan, the big release this past weekend was Argyle. Tell me how that film performed at the box office. Um, This is like a bit of a mixed bag thing. Uh, it wasn't expected to do huge numbers, 
was kind of hovering in like the $20 million range. Um, it opened at 18. So it by default opened atop the box office because there was virtually nothing else opening and everything else has been out for four weeks or more. So, you know, that's kind of where we're at. Um, you know, I mean, it's not great. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't like, and we'll get into stuff here in a second, but you know, so it opened at 35 million worldwide is, is the total here. So look, that's not lighting up the charts or anything. It, it, but at the same token, if you didn't have this in theaters right now, like, you know, it'd be pretty bad. So Universal Pictures is distributing, but it's ultimately an Apple original, which means it will eventually go to Apple TV+. Plus. So this is more of a streaming play. It was not really originally designed to go to theaters, I don't believe. But Apple's been doing this more. Uh, and as we've talked about a lot in this podcast, I do believe this business model makes a lot more sense of release the big movie in theaters, let it do what it does, recoup some of that money, and then you know, ultimately use it as a streaming play. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, 18 million, you know, supposedly Apple paid out $200 million for this movie. And that's not saying that that's what the budget of the movie was, but that's paying out Matthew Vaughn and all the talent involved and everybody. It was a $200 million package. Uh, Matthew okay. Vaughn had some interview where he swore up and down. He didn't spend $200 million on the movie. So, you know, $200 million went somewhere. So whether or not that ends up being a good investment for Apple, that's a very difficult conversation to have, as we've discussed, because some of the stuff isn't super transparent. But I commend them for at least giving something for theaters to show right now, because without this, we would be in really bad shape. Yeah, um, I wonder I wonder about that, because I think it was last week we talked a little bit about like how well the Oscar nominees were performing um, at the theater, like they got a bump because there's not really a ton of other stuff out there. And so I, I wonder like how bad, like would it really be so bad if Argyle wasn't around? Like wouldn't that just be more opportunity for people to catch up on the things that are out there or like do I mean, we really still truly... That's okay. still happening. American fiction only dropped 11% this weekend. Poor things only dropped 27%. So, you know, I, I think there's not like a, a just a, a big swath of things out there. I think like the way that I sort of see it, and I'm not saying this is exactly true. Um, on any given weekend, if the right movie comes out, you know, you could have that movie make more than $100 million. So essentially you have more than a hundred million dollars worth of potential ticket buyers out there any given weekend. So that those people are still there one way or the other. So they will, they properly motivated. They'll go see what they want to go see. Um, it doesn't necessarily matter if there's other movies out, right? Like it's only if they're choosing between one or the other. Mm -hmm. So I guess my point is right now is that the people that want to see poor things, American fiction, these Oscar movies, Argyle's not going to, they're not choosing between those two movies. Most likely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but at the same token to answer your, the, the bigger part, part of your question, those movies aren't suddenly going to make $18 million because Argyle's not in theaters, right? Like Argyle's going for a totally different audience that theaters really need right now. So, you know, you need that sort of average movie goer and it just didn't really pan out as, as well as they would have hoped, but you know, I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's just kind of a thing where it's like we need something and that is something. Yes, but it's not enough. And yeah. we can kind of get into why it wasn't enough, how it wasn't enough. But um, we'll talk about that in a minute. 
Yeah, so I guess we should be thinking about Argyle in the same way that we were thinking about something like Napoleon and Killers of Flower Moon, right? Just in terms of like the that, yeah. that sort of Apple model. Yeah, the difference here is that like App, Apple with Killers and with Napoleon, for one, I think both of those movies are going to make more money than Argyle is going to make, which is kind of surprising. But then two, um, you know, they're they're not looking for Oscars with Argyle, right? Like this is more of a traditional like, I guess, potential franchise play. I haven't seen Argyle yet. I don't know. But yeah, I won't spoil anything, but I'll just say that it it leaves things um, certainly open for uh, more stories in this universe. Yeah, but but so so um, yeah, whereas Killers and Napoleon were Oscar plays, right? With like potential that had commercial potential. And I think that that worked out pretty well for for Apple, all things considered, like Napoleon made a little more money than than Killers and it got less nominations. But like Killers got like the best picture nomination and a bunch of the big nominations and made a little less money. So I think like the math maybe sort of works out. I yeah. don't know. I'm just get. I have to guess at this stuff because Apple isn't really obviously they're not going to be super transparent. But, you know, like when you look at two hundred million dollars for the biggest tech company on the planet, it's like a rounding error for them. You yeah. know, <laughs> like it's not I mean, it's a it's a tremendous amount of money. But, you know, if, if they get half that money back and it boosts their service and helps them sell more phones, it kind of works out. So. Yeah, and it, it kind of seems like it, if this does in fact launch a a franchise like they seem to be intending, it kind of seems like maybe you could say that some of that money, you know, was like um, I don't know, almost inflated or something because they're just that's the cost of getting into the Matthew Vaughn business and like having this potential franchise with like these multiple entries um, that kind of like expands their horizons as a as a uh, movie company, I guess like. Uh, they made some action stuff before. I'm thinking of like uh, Ghosted, the Chris Evans Ana de Armas. Yeah, movie. I, I like, think that even rounding errors considered, they would reconsider that decision. Like that was one that didn't really pan out for them. And I'm not talking, I never saw the movie. I'm not talking crap, but like people, all I saw was a weekend of people talking crap about the movie and then it completely disappeared from the conversation. So yeah. like that's a movie that they did not particularly benefit from and not for nothing, it didn't go to theaters, right? So like, there wasn't that opportunity for like your movie going public to weigh in on it. It just got dumped to the service and, you know. Yeah. I was basically just trying to use that as an idea or as like an example for like, you know, they've tried this kind of thing and, you know, I guess this kind of mode of storytelling before and they, it didn't really work with ghosted. So now they're, maybe you could see this as like them trying to find another path into, you know, to that, to that same end result of like having a, a new action franchise with like, recognizable uh, you know a-list movie stars attached to it that kind of thing that like they can um use as a driver to their subscription service if nothing nothing else so yeah i would be surprised if argyle gets a sequel at this point like given the sort of it's got like a c plus cinema score i mean the rotten tomatoes is at 72 percent for the audience which is fine but i don't know that anything they're seeing is like unless it does gangbusters on vod and then like blows up on apple tv plus i'm not sure that Mm -hmm. it but you know, I don't know. I I don't think it's going to work out as well as they maybe hoped, but I also think that like, I mean, I, the other concern I have right now is that the it's probably going to fall off a cliff next weekend. At and you know, it's it only made eighteen million in the first place, so that's going to leave us in in a bad spot next weekend. But 
you know, uh, I hate to keep beating that same drum that things are not looking good, but things are not looking good. Well, we've had, um, you know, like a, what was the movie? The uh, Anyone But You, right? Like did a surprising, you know, sort of legged out in a surprising way. And, and I that's think continued to happen, by the way. Anyone really? But You dro- dropped only 25% this past weekend, and it has now made $151 million worldwide. What a shocking turn of events for that. Wow. Movie. Yeah, just a... <laughs> Uh, good, good for everyone involved. That's awesome. Like I, I, but yeah, so I, I, um, anyway, but that, sorry, just since you brought it up, it's worth pointing no, out that movie is still kicking ass. Yeah, that's great. I didn't realize that it was still like on its heater. That's, that's amazing. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, unbelievable. I was using that as an example of like maybe something recently that, um, that kind of benefited, like we were talking about whenever, you know, a couple weeks ago or whatever of like, they're not really being a ton of stuff in theaters right now. And like trying to find these silver linings of like, Hey, at least it sort of opens the playing field and like makes more room for a movie like anyone, but you, it, to... it does. But I do think anyone, but you probably would have legged out pretty well anyway. Cause I think the word of mouth on that one was good. And I think you'd maybe didn't have too much in direct competition with it, save for maybe like mean girls. Mm. I guess my main point is that like these things don't initially, it doesn't have to be one or the other. Like maybe some of these movies don't leg out quite as much. Like maybe Wonka doesn't get to almost 600 million worldwide. Like maybe, you know, some of these things don't make quite as much money, but if other movies were being released, like the overall box office would be pulling in more, like more people would be going to theaters overall. So like, you know, the one movie might not make as much money, but, you know, it, so that's where, cause like, let's, I guess maybe it's worth talking about like the same weekend last year, we had knock at the cabin as the number one movie 80 for Brady also opened. There was also BTS yet to come in cinemas, which was like a concert documentary and, uh, the chosen season three finale. All of those opened, uh, on the same weekend last year. Now knock at the cabin opened to $14.1 million. So it made less than Argyle, but then you had 80 for Brady at number two with 12.7 million avatar still making money with 11 million. And that BTS movie made $8 million. So like your overall spread was much better. And then mm-hmm. you still had like Puss in Boots, the last wish making money, a man called Otto, and some of this other stuff. So like, you know, there was a, there was, yes, the number one movie made less money, but there was a lot more stuff for people to grab onto. So, you know, you could have had something else open with Argyle this weekend and, Argyle still could have made its $18 million and something else could have made 12 or 15. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, um, you know, that's where the difference is right there is that you just don't have that spread. Um, okay. So you mentioned the chosen as being like a big deal last year and sort of, uh, you know, at least appearing in that spread that you're talking about. And evidently that franchise or, or, uh, I guess it's technically a TV show, right? Like it, it is a, it is a crowdfunded TV show. Okay, so now The Chosen is back in the news again because uh, there was evidently like new episodes or whatever being packaged into a theatrical presentation that sort of helped, uh, you know, this this bad stretch that we're seeing at the box office right now. It it contributed to like at least getting people out there in some way, right? Yeah, it made uh, uh, just shy of $6 million and that gave it the number two spot this weekend. So what it was, The Chosen, this fourth season, it's a show about the life of Jesus Christ. It is the only, it was the, apparently the first time that there's ever been a multi-season show about like Jesus. And, um, it's through angel studios, the studio that gained a lot of traction last year for sound of freedom. Uh, what they've done several times now is they've partnered with fathom events to sort of do, you know, premiere these episodes of the chosen in theaters. 
and this has gone very well. Uh, so this one made six million dollars this weekend, and, uh, and uh, made uh, seven point just shy of seven point four million dollars over the full four day stretch because it was in theaters just ahead of the weekend. And for some further context, they've done several of these premieres before. So the chosen, I guess, as a franchise at this point, has now made like just shy of forty million dollars premiering these episodes in theaters from 2021 to now. It's so not like, bad for a TV show, Ryan. <laughs> no, for and for one that is not having to advertise mainstream, by the way. And when you're looking at like, so in December of 2021, and as we recall, 2021 was not initially a good time for theaters, that Christmas with The Chosen made almost $14 million. You know, so at a time when, you know, the theaters really needed it. And look, I'm not here to talk about faith-based programming. I am not here to comment on that. I am not here to say good, bad, whatever. What I am saying is that that $6 million really helped fill some theaters this weekend Mm -hmm. and probably in parts of the country that needed it more. So I, I I mean, I don't know what to say. Like uh, it's, it's, it's helping. You had Jesus revolution last year, make $52 million domestic. You had this, you had his only son make $14 million. Like, the people want to see this stuff and people are filling that market. And on a weekend like this, it really was needed. So, you know, I, I don't know what else to say about it, but like it, I, I have a hard time seeing it as like a bad thing personally, but you know, that's uh, it's, it doesn't seem harmful to me or anything. So I, I don't know, but yeah, I, I wonder like the idea of um, a network or uh, a studio like angel studios or whatever, like packaging episodes of a TV show and bringing them into theaters and just like basically making kind of unexpected money, unexpected profits from that. Like why doesn't Warner brothers package the first two episodes of true detective night country and like give people the opportunity to see that on a movie theater screen? Like, do you think that it, it just comes down to those contracts, those details weren't worked out in the contract beforehand. And like, that's exactly part of it. But then I also think the other thing is, I don't know if True Detective gets there. I think The Mandalorian gets there. I think there's things that you're looking at, like, where you should absolutely be testing those waters with some of this stuff. Um, Like, I think Andor is another one. Star Wars, Marvel, some of these things. I'm wondering why these waters aren't being explored with some of these other things. Maybe True Detective. I don't know. But I see your point. I think it does come down to contractual stuff. But if you, in advance enough like decided we want to do this you can work that stuff out Mm -hmm. so yeah i don't know i'm I'm wondering if i mean i don't know that like studios are are looking at this enough to be like you know is this worth it because especially fathom events does this stuff all the time like like a studio could easily just go to fathom and be like you do it you know and then like just just give them a cut and whatever like I, obviously I think Disney, if they were to do it with Mandalorian, they would just handle it themselves. But I think other like streaming services, whatever, like you could partner with Fathom and, and I don't know, again, I think Netflix would be wise to like, especially with stranger things like these episodes being like cinematically long anyway. Like Mm -hmm. I don't see why not, as we know, Netflix is not big on putting stuff in theaters, but this proves if, if it's the right thing and there's an audience for it, not only is it good for theaters, but it could be good for the bottom line as well, particularly for these streaming shows that are very expensive. So I don't know. Yeah, it's just interesting that like, you know, we've seen this period coming for several months now, if not longer. Um, I mean, you could argue that like as soon as the strikes started, 
you know, uh, people whose job it is to um, sort of game this stuff out in executive C-suites and whatever should have been planning for uh, an, a relatively empty calendar for the first couple months of this year. And so I wonder why people aren't taking advantage of that and and trying to like think outside the box. And, and you know, like you said, I mean, there there could have been time to sort of rework some stuff. And like, if it means paying in that true detective example, if it means paying Jodie Foster more, for example, to, to have, uh, you know, the, the show packaged and, and, uh, presented in a movie theater, like, I, I assume that calculus would have to be done about like, yeah, we'll pay her X amount, but like conceivably we could make this much at the box office. And like, that would certainly either offset or, I mean, she's yeah. not going to pay that much. And like, well, right. idea, and it's, and, we're and, having and, such an empty schedule or empty slot on the calendar right now. It just kind of seems like this would have been the perfect time for some experimentation. And like, I, I'm disappointed that we're not really seeing that. Right. And I also think too, that you have to, so I think, I know like the Alamo draft house out here, every once in a while, they will have like the premiere of a show. Like, and they'll, and you'll get to like see it early and like they'll, they'll maybe have like a screen Q and A or something. And you'll see like those theaters, they fill up and you know, that's like one or two theaters. But I also think the thing too, is these shows are not expected to make revenue in a theater anyway. Right. So let's say you go, okay, we're going to pay Jodie Foster and whoever the leads are a little bit more money to, so we can do this theatrical release. And then like, maybe people go see it. And then you, those people talk about it a lot more. Even if that washes out with the salary, it might just be a heck of a good PR thing to get more people to pay attention. And so, like, I, I, I have a hard time seeing that, like, being, like, a way to, you know, it, it seems to me just like a good marketing thing. Yeah, if I nothing wonder. else. But I don't know. I mean, look, I don't run these studios. I don't know how these <laughs> things work. But I'm with you. Look, I, we could probably go back. I'm betting six months ago on the podcast. And I bet we were talking about, hey, it looks like next year is going to be a little rough. And like, I, yeah, I'm with you. I don't know why things weren't shifted. I don't know. I don't know why people weren't trying more creative stuff. I, I wish they were. I, I just, I don't have those answers, man. I wish I did. Yeah. I wonder if like, if anybody listening to this either works for a studio or like works in, you know, one of those departments that might have the answers to that. I would love for you guys to write us an email and let us know like what the sort of ins and outs of something like that would actually require. Yeah, we and, are like, not going to name your name. If you can give us, some information, we can, you know, keep it on the download. Yeah, sure. Like, pre- yeah, provide whatever uh, context you'd like for and, and stipulations you'd like. I just like, I'm cu- genuinely curious about like why that kind of stuff is not happening. So I wonder if like, if, if you're listening out there and you know that those conversations have been had, but uh, the decision was made for one reason or another to not move forward with it or whatever, I would love to know that. So email us at bpearson at slash film.com. That would be great. Yeah. Like the other one I'm looking at, if you look at like the market that's going to see the chosen, I, I, I don't mean to like make broad generalizations here, but I would think that's probably the same market of like demographic of people that is keeping like the Taylor Sheridan shows like at the top of the charts and like you gotta wonder if like Yellowstone or 1923 or like the Bass Reeve show, like if they had maybe thrown those in theaters, I wonder if those might have pulled in some numbers. Like, yeah. you know, man, just interesting to think about. Yeah, and then you throw a a, a trailer up for the Costner, uh, uh, what is it called, Horizon, oh, Horizon. American yeah, Saga yeah, sure, Part One sure. and Two or whatever, so you can yeah, yeah sort of snake eating its tail there. But um, okay, all right, well let's take a break and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about some box office stuff. 
All right. So Ryan, you know, we've been talking about how it's kind of an, an empty season right now. And uh, I just wanted to give you to sort of clear out and give you some space to talk a little bit about your most recent Tales from the Box Office piece. Um, you wrote about Ace Ventura Pet Detective and how that sort of made Jim Carrey like a, a 1990s box office phenomenon. Uh, I, you know, maybe just for our younger listeners out there, give people some context for what this movie did for Carrey's career. Yeah, so um, as of yesterday, uh, Ace Ventura Pet Detective is 30 years old. Um, and uh, I, I, people may not realize that at the time, Jim Carrey was best known as the guy from In Living Color, which maybe some of you listening don't know that was a sketch comedy show, not totally unlike Saturday Night Live. Um, so before that, Jim Carrey had made some small you know, appearances in movies like Peggy Sue got married and like earth girls are easy. He, he did not have a movie career at all. Uh, and then there was this movie Ace Ventura pet detective that was put together by a company called Morgan Creek and they wanted a broad comedy. So there wasn't really a, a, a specific edict there and they got a script for this silly premise and, they wanted um, Rick Moranis for it. And then they were looking at maybe Judd Nelson and maybe even um, uh, uh, Alan Rickman. Like there was all these people that were considered. And then they get down the line to Jim Carrey. He ends up like getting a screenplay credit because he did so much reworking of the script. And like it originally, you know, he was completely bumbling idiot. And it was Jim Carrey's idea to have him be like an idiot, but actually still be a very good detective at the end of the day. And, you know, this movie was not expected to do anything and it ended up topping the box office four out of the first five weeks of release and made $107 million worldwide against a very modest budget. And, and pretty much you talk about the overnight sensation thing. And I'm not saying Jim Carrey hadn't like busted his ass to be at that point, but immediately entered the pop culture stratosphere and, set him off on this insane journey, particularly within that year. It was a wild, wild thing. Yeah. I can't think of another year where, I mean, maybe like Ayo Adabiri last year or something, but like, because the um, pop culture landscape is so much more fractured now than it was in the early nineties. The way that Carrie, you know, just exploded onto the scene, not only with Ace Ventura, but also with the mask and Dumb and Dumber in the same year. Yeah, that was the other thing I was going to point out is that it's sort of epic, you know, it's insane. So he very fortunately for New Line Cinema, the mask he was already in. And so that came out. And so Ace Ventura Pet Detective released in February, blows up the box office. The mask comes out in July. It is to this day one of Jim Carrey's highest grossing movies. It made $351 million worldwide. Then Dumb and Dumber comes out in December, makes $246 million worldwide. Now, the interesting thing about Dumb and Dumber, which this is a pretty well-known story, but he was originally supposed to only make, they asked for $350,000 because he was contracted for that movie before Ace Ventura came out. And the studio's like, hell no, we're not paying you $350,000. Ace Ventura opens up. They're like, you can have your $350,000. He's like, hell no. I just was in a number one movie. Yada back and forth, goes back and forth each week. He ends up getting paid $7 million, which was 40% of the movie's overall budget. (laughs) Um, And he made like 20 times more than Jeff Daniels. And apparently Jeff Daniels was a good sport about it at the time. But 
you know, it just, yeah. So, so, you know, you talk about like that sort of being the cap for his, you know, and then he goes on in 1995 stars in Batman forever. And then Ace Ventura, when nature calls opens up less than two years after the first one opened up because it was rushed to theaters, obviously. And it just, you know, and then you have, after that, you have liar, liar, the Truman show, me, myself and Irene, now the Grinch stole, tr- stole Christmas leading up to Bruce Almighty, which is his you know biggest hit as a solo star, like just started one of these the best runs any actor has ever had at the box office. Genuinely, genuinely incredible stuff. Yeah, just just wild. So I encourage people to read, uh, you know, the, all the detailed research and stuff that Ryan puts into these uh, Tales from the Box Office pieces. I'm going to link to the actual article itself in the show notes here. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to, to give some space for that because like, what a performance from Jim Carrey. I mean, that's just like one of those legendary things that, uh, you know, where, where a single actor sort of becomes a true superstar over the course of one year in, you know, one of the biggest ways possible. So, yeah, it was, um, it's, it's truly wild. And especially if you think about like, of course I completely understand at that time where you're like, Oh yeah, Rick Moranis, that would totally make sense. But because that didn't work out, like a new movie star was born. Like, and it's just fascinating, you know, it's like, because I feel like it's harder and harder for people to get those opportunities now. And my big takeaway was like, man, you know, like, because this is how movie stars are made. So it's like, you got to take those gambles sometime. But when it yeah, and it's off, also like the takeaway that I have from it is like, remember when there used to be uh, three studio comedies starring the same person in a year? Like, you know, there, there were more than just those three studio comedies uh, spread out over the course of 1994. But it kind of feels like now we almost, I feel like we would be lucky to have, you know, three or four from every studio combined, you know, in a, in a theatrical sense in a given year. So um, just a totally different era. Yeah. Of like a hundred percent made. So um, yeah. Wild. Okay. So uh, let's look ahead a little bit to the movie that is coming out this coming Friday, which is called Lisa Frankenstein. Um, have you seen any sort of like indications of uh, box office tracking or anything like that? Do you have any idea like, what people are thinking in terms of how this movie might perform. Um, yeah, so I'm going to pull up some, uh, forgive me. Uh, I'm going to pull up the, the numbers here real quick, but, um, yeah. So like Lisa Frankenstein hails from Diablo Cody. It stars, um, Catherine Newton, uh, who I think is a slightly bigger movie star than she gets credit for. Um, yeah, she was in Freaky. She was in Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania most yeah. recently. If people don't recognize Blockers, her name, Blockers, uh, which I cannot recommend. Blockers is currently on Netflix. If you miss, somehow missed it a few years ago, please check out Blockers. Um, you can't recommend it enough, right? Uh, yeah, it's so good. It's so okay, good. good. Um, yeah, <laughs> I thought you said uh, you couldn't recommend it, and I was like, Ryan, we're about to have some words here. Oh no, 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 no! <laughs> I can't, uh, I can't recommend Blockers enough. Uh, okay. It was uh, <laughs> that year. You had Blockers and Good Boys both come out, and both like just stellar representations of of anyway but so um focus features is releasing this and i feel like focus is trying to market this as like an indie even though they should just be marketing it like as a broad appeal horror comedy like i'm i'm not in marketing so who am i to say but um lisa frankenstein is currently per the folks at box office pro looking to open anywhere between seven and twelve million dollars so depending on how bad um, the drop is for Argyle, Lisa Frankenstein could conceivably top the charts next weekend with like 10 million bucks, which mm-hmm. is, you know, it's not great. <laughs> like I don't, you know, and then like, uh, you also have, you know, Disney re-releasing turning red in theaters, which I'm a fan of, but unfortunately like the soul re-release hardly registered. So I don't have a lot of faith that, you know, that's going to do, but, I, but again, that's Disney at least trying something, right? Like, but yeah, but yeah so Lisa Frankenstein, I, I just kind of wish the, the marketing was a little more broad for it. Cause it, it just feels like, it feels like this could 
could have maybe reached more people, but it's just not right now the way that numbers are looking. Um, that's not to say it couldn't have good holds week to week if the word of mouth is good, like in anyone but you situation. But, it, you know, that first weekend number is not going to be enough to like uh, really like, you know, um, ju- juice, juice the box office the way that we could use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard good things about the movie, though, and I'm, I'm excited to see it. Um, and I, my hope right now is that I'll be able to have BJ on the show on Friday and we'll maybe be able to do like a spoiler conversation for it. So hopefully that will like at least inspire some of our listeners to go out and, and try to give this movie a shot, because I, I think it it certainly it sounds like it could use the help. But it also sounds from what I've heard, you know, behind the scenes that it's actually like a really good, enjoyable movie to watch. Well, right. Too, that's so that that's the big that's the reason I'm primarily seeming a little down right now is this seems like a movie that should be getting a bigger push. Like yeah. it should, it sh- because it seems incredibly enjoyable and in the, in the little bits that I've heard uh, that, yeah, it's, it's probably going to be well-received and BJ is about as big of a proponent of this movie as anyone that I've seen for any movie in a while. So uh, I look forward to her thoughts because she's, she's probably going to have a lot to say here. Um, but yeah, so I don't know, it's going to be another quiet weekend and then, and then kind of looking a little bit more ahead Midweek next week on Valentine's Day, we have Bob Marley, One Love, and Madam Web both opening. Um, it's finally happening, Ryan. <laughs> Madam <it's>, Web. <laughs> it's finally happening. Uh, uh, so, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, we talked a little bit about that last week, but um, that might finally give the box office some juice, especially because that's like a midweek premiere. So you'll have, you know, big movies sort of in theaters midweek leading into the weekend so like hopefully that works out so we'll see how it goes but um yeah fingers I'm, crossed that it, it at least like carves enough of a runway to get people to march 1st which is when uh dune part 2 comes out so yeah um, we're just kind of trying to get through february right here which is looking bleak and i'm just hoping something can break out um between now and february 28th you know but yeah. uh so we'll see Cool. All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for today's episode of the show. You can find more about all these stories that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com. And I will link to a bunch of them in the show notes as well. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Overcast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe to our newsletter. There's a link for that in the show notes. Also, send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at bpearson at slashfilm.com. That is B-P-E-A-R-S-O-N at slashfilm.com. Please leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to take a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That really does help us out a ton. Tell your friends about the show any way you can. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you all tomorrow.